Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Interviews After Hours. I'm Jacob Blazer. And I'm Tyler Mason. And on today's episode, we have one of the fastest drone pilots in the world. He was the 2019 Drone Racing League champion, Alex Vanover. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Doing well. Good. Um, so I think we'll just begin where we begin with a lot of the pilots we have on the show. When was it that you realized you wanted to get into drones and then eventually drone racing? Yeah, so I started about 10 years ago when I was 10 years old flying remote control airplanes. I used to do that with my dad. That just was our thing we did together. And then we actually started flying FPV on airplanes probably back as early as 2012. Um, we were running like really old 1.3 gigahertz video with like monitors. We didn't even have goggles back then. And then I started to, uh, to see mini quadcopters is what we call them at the time. Now we just say FPV drones, but um, that started to become popular around 2014, 2015. And I uh, didn't quite have the money to get into it at the time, but around 20, end of 2015, early 2016, I uh, built my first FPV drone. Uh, of course, like everyone else, crashed it in a heartbeat, but just was completely addicted and hooked. And uh, I guess the rest is just history from there. I know flight in general, and you kind of alluded to it, has been something big for you. Uh, I believe you have a pilot's license for actual airplanes too. What was it about flight that kind of initially drew you in, um, as you said, probably 10 years or so ago? What was it about just flying in general that you really, really loved? Honestly, just flying itself is just a really cool thing to me. I don't know. I just, I always liked watching airplanes fly through the air. I actually was scared for a long time as a kid to get on an airplane, but I loved watching them. Um, I love playing flight simulators and everything like that. Um, but then I started to overcome my fear of flying and then realized that, quite frankly, I really love the feeling of being up in the air just as much as I love actually uh, watching the aircraft. So that's kind of how I started with RC model aircraft because I enjoyed watching them and I enjoyed being in control of them. Um, and then that turned into a real flying passion as well, which led me to getting my pilot's license back in 2017 and um, just continuing on from there. For anyone that follows you on Instagram, you do a lot of Instagram stories, you uh, do updates throughout the day. Um, the ones I enjoy probably the most are when you are just about to get in into the cockpit, just about to fly, and then after you land. And one that sticks out to me in general is you had some malfunction in, in the plane. I can't remember exactly what it was, but you got to the ground, your face was pale, and you're like, well, um, that was sort of sketchy. What's it sort of like? What's the heart pulse or the heartbeat, your pulse? Like, what's it, what's it like when you have some issues with the airplane? You know, what's interesting. Your heartbeat definitely goes up, and uh, you're referencing an instance back in, I think it was April, where I was actually ferrying an aircraft down to South Texas. I live up in Dallas, forward, so I flew an aircraft for the very first time by myself. Not my first time ever in an airplane by myself, but this one by myself. And I flew it down to South Texas to pick a guy up and uh, was having some issues with it on the way. I thought it was just something I was doing wrong with the engine, but it turns out it was aircraft related. We took off and we had an engine failure on takeoff. And um, that's not, it's not something that's very fun. You train for that as a pilot. So, you know, I'm very thankful that, you know, immediately I'm just thinking, okay, got to get the airplane on the ground and not really thinking about dying or like anything like that. Just, okay, time to do my job. Right. Um, but your heartbeat definitely goes up in that moment. And you do start to think, once you get on the ground, you start to think, man, I could have died just then. Yeah. It's one of those things. But ultimately, airplanes, in my opinion, are very safe. And um, I wasn't too worried about dying. I was worried about crashing, but I wasn't too worried about dying in that situation. So I've never been in one of those little per, little airplanes, so those kind of terrify me a little bit. So I don't, <laughs> uh, I don't have any desire to get in one anytime soon, but they, they seem like they might be fun to fly. I don't know. Very fun. Uh, well, as far as the, the airplanes, the model airplanes go, how much of a crossover was it, uh, or how much did that help kind of learn the controls for FPV drones? Was there much crossover at all as far as, you know, the physics and the, the, the sticks and all that kind of stuff? 
Yeah, I think yeah, I already right. had it on the sticks and just understanding what the controls do was really, really helpful. So I knew what roll, pitch, yaw, throttle was. I um, mean, I had a really smooth handling on the controls already, which really translates well to flying FPV drones. Um, but I also started flying 3D helicopters back in like 2013, 2014. Um, it's funny, I tried to, uh, to get into like big 3D helicopters, like you may be seeing on YouTube, like these 700 size helis that are like bigger than me. Um, and I remember one time my dad and I were out with a, a 450 size, which is enough to, you know, take your arm off. And my mom came out and saw me doing what's called a TikTok, like right at my face like this. And my dad's just smiling like crazy. And my mom shut that down completely. And I'm very thankful she did because then I ended up finding FPV. But I think those helicopter skills actually translated even more so to flying drones than the RC airplane skills. Um, because flying a heli, you know, it's something where the airplanes kind of like to self-right themselves. You let go of the controls, they'll fly straight and level. Um, at, when you fly an FPV drone in what we call acro mode, as well as a helicopter, you know, there's no stabilization, right? It's a lot of uh, mixture of roll and yaw together. And so flying helicopters, those skills translated really well to me. The hardest part was just getting used to flying it inside the headset um, and just being used to what that view felt like. Sweet. Yeah. So you mentioned, you alluded to earlier, um, flying FPV for many years, whether it is the helicopters or the quads. Um, the racing has really picked up, it seems like, in the last five years-ish, maybe. I don't know. But I, I saw a shot you had with Sean Taylor, Night Fury, um, and, and some of the races back then. But what... Let's let's dive into the DRL world here. What has that experience been like for you, and how has that changed your really changed your life? Well, well, you, you just put it exactly right. It's completely changed my life. My goal from day one of drone racing, specifically when I saw it on TV with my dad for the very first time, was I wanted to be on DRL. And of course, my dad was a um, a billiards champion. He was a, a nine ball champion for many many years, and um, he had a very competitive mindset, but he was very humble. Um, I definitely didn't get that part from him. But um, he just had a really strong work ethic. And when I got into DRL, I knew I was at the, you know, the top tier of drone racing. You're with the absolute best pilots because, you know, DRL handpicks everyone. And the only way to not get handpicked and to get your spot is to literally win a multi-GP championship or a sim championship, both of which are, in my opinion, almost just as hard as winning the DRL world championship. And um, the DRL experience changed me a lot. I got to travel a lot more places. Um, I got to meet a lot of different people and get to know people from just different aspects of life. Um, it's just really interesting to hear everyone's upbringing, how everyone be, you know, came from just some guys were in the army like Fluxy and then ended up being drone racers on DRL and just seeing where everyone comes from, like Gab 707 with you know, a PhD in physics and now he's drone racing. Like, it's just really neat to see how the hobby is great into the terms of we can all share one bond and that's the love for flying FPV. It doesn't matter where you come from. That was a big thing from DRL. And then on top of that, just <laughs> the competition in drone racing league is incredible. We're, since we're all flying the same drone, it just really evens out the playing field and it brings out the, the best of every pilot for sure. And that definitely changed my whole perspective on, it looked, to be honest to me, it looked more like a hobby until I started doing DRL and then it turned into a sport where I really started thinking in my mind, like this could be the future sport that everyone watches. It's definitely got the potential for it. And, um, being a pilot at the very beginning of it is just an absolute, it's an absolute honor. Uh, we, we caught up with you and some of the other DRL pilots when you guys are in uh, Minnesota last year for the race at the Allianz field. And I think I asked you at that point what it was like to be the, the rookie on the, of the group because at that point you were, but not only were you the rookie, but I think you were just 19 last year, right? So was it, what was it like being, uh, being the young gun in the, you know, this group of kind of seasoned veterans, guys like Jet who had been around DRL since the beginning and some of the other pilots? 
it's a mixture of emotions, right? So like being 19, you definitely get picked on the most because, you know, everyone reminds you that you're the youngest. Um, I forget, but there was one instance in Minnesota last year where we're sitting up on stage and they start playing some music. And I, you know, I'm not even going to repeat to you guys because I don't remember what it was. It was some type of hip hop from probably the 90s. And they start playing it and I didn't know what it was. And so everyone's like, what? So they have to like culture me with hip hop music or whatever, whatever it was. But besides that, I think there was a lot of pressure because um, ultimately I knew I could compete with these guys at a top level. But I mean, when you're going up against guys with like, I've been specifically speaking, Gab, Jet, Nurk, um, and some of the other deer pots, Nub, for example. I mean, you're going up against guys who you know, coming in as a rookie to DRL, they have more experience. And in DRL, it's not like jumping into going across the world and going to a five-inch quadcopter race. You know, DRL is one of those very specific skill sets. You have to be good at flying lines, keeping calm under pressure. And you really only get that by going to a DRL race and then gaining that wisdom and experience. So even still now going into my second year of DRL, I still have less experience than guys like Gab and Jet and everyone I just mentioned. Um, so it's really intimidating in that sense because you know you're going up against guys who have been in these positions before. They've all won levels. Some of them have won championships, right? So it's just a really intimidating thing. Um, but it's also very humbling because it makes it reminds it reminded me at least that I'm not you know better than any of these guys by any means. It's just their amazing competition, and because of that, it pushes me to fly my very best. And yeah, it's just a mixture of feelings in DRL. Very big mixture of feelings. Yeah, I like it. Um, we talked to Rachel Jacobson a few months back on the show. And the, the big thing we were talking about were how any sport has personalities in that sport. And, and like the persona of these athletes are, are really maximized when they're on TV. And we asked her if there, was a, if there was a pilot that stuck out. And she said, well, the fan favorite in our house is definitely Van Over. And um, I, guess, I guess the question out of that is, what's it like being a fan favorite, not just with, with them, but you're, you're, you are one of the fan favorites in the league so how, what's that like for for yourself and and is there anything you got feel like you've got to do a little extra when you know you're at one of the main personalities yeah well it's interesting because to be honest I came into the season really arrogant last year and I had to change a lot and DRL really um humbled me and and I, I really did change as a person completely just through that whole time period DRL was a big part of that um so to be honest it's kind of shocking to hear that I'm a fan favorite just because like I watched some of the early levels and I'm like ooh, I'm, I'm like what didn't seem cocky to me at the time was cocky when you watch it from a third person point of view it was like wow Alex you just need to be quiet right now um no but it's that's really awesome I'm just super thankful when we were in the um Allianz, uh Formula E pre-party race it was an exhibition event in New York City a few weeks before Minnesota um, there were a lot of popular YouTubers and, and influencers like I Justine, I think Casey Neistat was there even. It's just all these really well-known people. And that was the first experience where I had people in the crowd like shouting Nurk's name, my name, Gab's name. And it was just super cool because I'm like, wow, I feel like an all-star up here. Um, so to hear I have fans like that and a fan base, it, it, even coming you know, from Rachel Jacobson, you know, new yeah. president of DRL, that's, that's really awesome feeling. And um, I've always been motivated. One of my biggest motivating factors for why I train so hard and why I try and do so well is because the people who brought me up to this point in my life, my parents, my family, my friends, my sponsors, my team, and, um, and my fans even. So like that, that's just all motivation for me to try even harder because I don't want to let any of those people down <laughs> and I want to go out there and do 110%. And the goal is to just fly the best I can and win or lose. That's what matters most. And you said you meant to come in a little cocky, but you backed it up. I mean, you won the whole thing. So I think, you know, any, anything was, Justify, what was, you talked about just how being on the DRL changed your life. Did winning everything, how much did that change? Or would you, would you have felt much different if you ended up, you know, second or third, do you think? 
I think it would have been different. I, I definitely think so. I, the goal of mine was to win the world championship. And it'll be really awesome with you. When I won that championship in the first like 10 minutes of it, obviously you're just over, you're just trying to take it all in. It's a goal I've been trying to accomplish for, I would say 10 years of flying remote control airplanes led to that moment. Right. And when I won you know, and we got off the stage and everything kind of settled down, it, it took probably three months for it to really sink in because and we filmed the DRL events like three months before they actually come out on TV. And that one got even more delayed, I think, to like New Year's. So it was four months or something like that. Yeah. And so it was a long time of keeping my mouth quiet. It was a long time. And that was great because that really made me humble myself. And when it got announced, people were reaching out to me. I got opportunities to start getting into the filming side of FPV. Um, just my fan base doubled instantly i probably went from like ten thousand followers on instagram to like twenty thousand within four months um just from that and i don't know and, and i think with all that too winning that championship was probably the most me i'd ever been in my life i didn't feel like i was a fake personality or trying to be cocky or i just felt like i was me in that moment so for the world to be able to see that and just see who i really am and just to open up to that i think that changed my life and drl having that spotlight and um, having a roller coaster of emotions definitely um, helped me open up more as a person and really learn a lot about myself that I didn't realize as well through the whole process. I want to ask you, you to keep it under wraps uh, until it aired. Did anyone, was anyone trying hard to get it out of you, how things ended up or how, how you did? Oh, yes. I mean, we, the biggest thing we try to do with Zero Pilots is not say like that we're done filming the season because the moment you say that to someone, everyone's going to start bombarding you. And obviously I was, a, I guess, a favorite to win last year. So a lot of people were like, well, we know you won. You can just tell us, blah, blah, blah. And um, I just had to keep my mouth shut. I just won't even talk about DRL. I would just say, like, I was just brutally honest. I said, listen, look at the first two races that I've aired. Like, look at how stiff the competition is. By no means am I going to walk away with it this year. And I didn't. I didn't walk away with it. I, I fought very, very hard for it. And, um, yeah, it was really hard to keep my mouth quiet. I told my mom and my older brother, who are both a big part of my life, and that was it. So it was really, really hard to keep. I was actually on a, um, at our church, we actually were on a, uh, the start of a college like ski trip, like January 1st, the day after I announced it and everything. So I had tons of people who were coming up and congratulating me. It was really sweet. And I'm like, and they're like, did you just do it like three days ago? I'm like, no, I filmed it like four months ago. Because like, they have no idea. Yeah. Is it even more hard to keep it or harder? I guess that's the right way to say it. Is it harder to keep it under wraps this last season with the sim where you guys also had FanDuel involved where like there could be implications behind that as well? Yeah, to be honest, for me, it wasn't really hard to keep it under check because I didn't do super well on the sim. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't really feel the need to brag to anyone about my sim performance. Um, but, you know, it wasn't that hard. In the sim. It was definitely harder in the real life because I didn't just want to tell the whole world, you know, what I yeah. had to but the sim not so much but it's that's all right <laughs> you said the uh winning kind of opened some opportunities for you including you know getting hired for some projects and things like that how much had you done of the kind of the maybe more filming with the fpv quasi cinematic type stuff before winning and then and what's it been like since then and, and the types of projects that you're working on now i know you've been pretty busy lately even flying it for some projects yeah before uh, winning drl i would say that anything project wise that came up was by my own doings. Like I was seeking stuff and I wasn't seeking it for the sake of honestly trying to make a career out of it. I just was seeking it for, I saw guys, as we know, Johnny FPV, Nurk was making some really amazing content. Some guys over in Europe were making some great content. I just wanted to be a part of that. Um, and just to 
because I knew piloting skill wise, I could probably, <laughs> this is sound cocky, but I thought I could do a better job if I just started to learn the, get the experience that those guys had and understand, you know, camera, how cameras work and how to, um, you know, keep everything in frame. If I could learn that, then I think I could be competitive in the filming market. Once DRL happened, then I started getting calls. It was funny. I was actually sometime during the coronavirus, I was thinking about searching for an opportunity to go film. And I was going through my message requests and I came across a, a guy named Davis from Aether Films, which is who I've been filming for in California. And he was reaching out to me saying, hey, I think like Johnny's stuck in Abu Dhabi or something like that. We need someone to come fly our drone. Would you like to come fly it? And I'm like, I'm so glad I went through my message requests today. Um, and I told like, absolutely yes. And then really hit it off with those guys out in California back in probably May or June. Um, and I actually just went back out there for, I've been out there a few times now for some film projects and that's, <laughs> it's a whole nother subject, but I really, really enjoy the filming side of things because it's a, that in itself, it's funny. Someone asked me today, um, what's more competitive, um, the racing scene or the filming scene? I said, oh, by every means, the filming scene is insanely more competitive because everyone wants what's limited in the market. You know, in racing, it's kind of in your control how well you do. But in the filming side of things, it's like knowing the right people, you know, not messing up when you get a job and um, just kind of getting that in from the get-go. And when you're competing against like Johnny, it's really hard. So, mm -hmm. But um, no, it's changed, changed my life, quite frankly. And having the DRL champ status does help me get jobs um, but no means do I use that as a way to get jobs to say I'm the dear old champion it's just it's, it's a part of my resume so speaking of game-changing opportunities and game-changing um, products in the industry or, or quads or whatever we talked the other day about cameras and how how that's evolving in the FPV scene uh, this Komodo seems to be getting a lot of talk from a lot of people I know you flew it just the other day uh, what, what are your thoughts on that well, it's funny you say that because like I had no idea the significance of the Komodo camera. Now I do, but like I didn't realize it was an unreleased product. So I'm out there, I'm posting photos on my Instagram and people <laughs> should care less about the drone or the project. They're just like, red Komodo camera. And I'm like, what, 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 what? I understand. And Johnny had just flown like a whole week long tour the, the week before I did with the Komodo camera. And um, there's some really exciting stuff coming out from that. I can't wait for people to see the footage, but I was watching his footage back from some of the stuff he was flying. And I'm like, I never want to touch a GoPro again in my life after this. Like I just, the colors from the red Komodo are amazing. And I don't know much about cameras. So anyone watching this, I'm sorry, but let me just say this for what it is. It's incredible. And I mean, just it very quickly turned into my favorite camera and the size of it, it's lighter than most cameras of its size. And so that allows us to put it on an FPV drone and get some amazing content. And the stuff that we just did out with the Aston Martin again, I cannot wait. It's gonna be a few weeks probably, or maybe a month or so, but I cannot wait for that to come out because it just, yeah, it just looks amazing. Uh, I wanted to go back to the, the racing for a second, just cause I was kind of curious about your preparation as a racer. Um, I know we, when, when the DRL is in town, um, you guys kind of see the course ahead of time and maybe get to you know, fly some practice rounds, but. When you're flying um, you know, other races, maybe a local race or multi-GP type of race, what's your mindset as a, as a racing pilot and, and what's your preparation on a, a race day usually? Yeah, so it, the prep for race day starts before race day. So obviously it starts with training, um, especially for DRL. I train every single day, except maybe on Sundays. It just depends on how much uh, broken gear I have when Saturday night comes. And, but no, I train a lot. I, last year I was before Minnesota, I was training with Flexi and Nub and I was probably flying with and without them. I was probably flying, I would say 80 to hundred batteries a day. And then 
this year I started flying 150 batteries a day, which is, was a big step up and it requires everything to go right. <laughs> but um, I've, I've actually been a firm believer of quantity over quality when it comes to the way I personally like to train. Um, I like repetition on the controls. And when you're flying like um, a racer four for DRL, it's everyone flies the same thing. So I'm trying to master like, how can I avoid prop wash in the corners? And the only way I can do that is with just time on the sticks. When you train for multi-GP, it's different because we fly these really fast five-inch drones. And really the best way to go out there is just to set up a really tight technical track, which lots of turns and everything like that, and just go out and grind that track over and over again. Lots of crashing, lots of changing props, lots of fixing drones. That's the way I've trained for multi-GP. And then on top of all that, I like to say I'm a consistent pilot. So like I'll go out there, I'll set like a minute and a half timer, and I'll just try and fly for a minute and a half without crashing and do that over and over again. So that way I can be consistent when I show up for the races. races. I call that in fighting, um, that's like, you know, they condition so you can go 25 minutes. So I like to call that my condition training when I train for flying uh, any type of racing drum. That's my conditioning. And then my like hard workout training is like really flying those, those hard elements, which I know I struggle with. Um, and then after the whole DRL season, I could go back and watch the footage, look at what I struggled with. And then over the last eight months now I've been able to just go back and perfect all those areas and I cannot wait to show the difference in my flying abilities I, I feel like I was an amateur flying the racer four last year compared to where I am now so I'm trying to picture uh, what the charging station looks like for 150 batteries a day it's got to be quite the setup <laughs> yeah it's um three Hoda chargers a Venom four port pro charger and then another ISDT chargers and then like three power supplies when I actually go fly at the park I fly with I've like popped um circuit breakers a few times because i'm charging at like seven amps a channel and literally the battery comes straight off the drone straight onto the charger and just recycles all day long so my batteries hate me <laughs> you mentioned flying with fluxy and nub um something you started i think it was last year was camp vanover what is it like just to for all three of you or everyone if maybe i'm missing a few pilots too for everyone involved in that to really practice against you know you are practicing against the best in the world yeah, it's, it's great. So the purpose for me of that was I wanted to train with other pilots because I, I wanted that, the competitive racing, which I couldn't get by practicing by myself. I needed to like simulate that pressure a little bit more. Um, in level two of last year, I lost to Nurk. I took second place. It was an amazing race. I love Nurk so much. He had a funny attitude about it when it was all said and done. But I just felt like um, it took me a, a few weeks to accept that I just got in my own head with that event because um, it's my pride that I'm battling. So I decided I needed to train with pilots and replicate that pressure. Um, so what I would do with Nub and Fluxy is, and <laughs> I would start like a second and a half behind them and I would make myself play catch up. And sometimes I want to catch them. You know, that's just what it is. But the idea was to learn how to control how fast I was going and not just go full throttle and then crash into something or start blowing out my lines. I needed to start maturing myself and my consistency and my racing abilities, not even my flying, but just the racing skills. Um, and then I got to a point where I would just rear end them and take them out. It was great. Um, and I don't think they appreciated that, but no, training with, um, with them was amazing. You're training with the top of the line pilots in the world. Um, and it's cool. Just like from a competitive standpoint, you get to sit there for a while and you can watch them in the goggles and see how they take lines and just their flying skills. I like learning about other pilots before I went into DRL last year. I rewatched every episode of every DRL race ever. And I took notes and I started studying the pilots. I found out where like people like Gab maybe fall for the pressure. Guys like Jets drive on different types of courses than others. And I just started immersing myself in all that information. 
So that way I could use it in my favor at a DRL event. So I like learning about my competition. You guys are in Oshkosh, Wisconsin for that, right? For that. And yeah. I know it's a pretty special place for flight with EAA there. It's, it's something that I know is kind of special to you, right? That, that area. Yeah, absolutely. I actually got my whole start in RC airplanes when I went up to EAA for the first time and I bought an RC airplane at like nine years old, 10 years old. Um, that's how I got my whole start. And then the guy who I bought it from who runs the hobby towns up there, his name's Bob Mazza. He's been a huge part of my FPV career for especially the last five years and an amazing mentor to me. That's his house that we trained at in Wisconsin. Um, and he's just, I wish he's been, I wish one day he can come to a DRL event with me. Um, but he's always been like at multi GP races, my pit crew, he fixes all my quads. He allows me just to focus on the racing part of it. And he's another guy who without him, I would, I would definitely not be where I am today. So, but yeah, Oshkosh has a very special place in my heart, obviously for aviation, the air show every year. And, um, now for drum racing. So before we end, um, end this episode or end talking with you, I did want to, it's sort of cool because we've never been able to do this part of things before. Um, we're finalizing a deal to have you be part of our team, Airview's FPV team, which is really cool because we have a great relationship with the DRL. We've had a great relationship with you for the last year plus that we've known you. And, and then with the film festival coming up, I think we've got some big projects in mind. But yeah, welcome to Team Airview's FPV and we're all excited to have you. Well, thank you very much. I'm very excited. I mean, it's funny. I've always seen the Airview's jerseys like behind you right now and everything like that. And like, I think low key and part of my back of my mind was always like, I kind of want one of those. I don't know if I, like, I don't know anything about Airviews at the time, like three years ago, but other than, you know, the basics about you guys, I'm like, I think those jerseys look really good. So I definitely want one of those jerseys, but yeah, I'm very yeah, well, excited. You're, you're definitely getting a jersey. Yeah. <laughs> you can wear that one on, instead of the DRL one. We'll, we'll put it over the top of that one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we're, uh, yeah, we're excited to have you on the team. Uh, other than that, what, what do you think the future holds for, uh, for you when it comes to drone racing um, in the, you know, the next year or two? Oh, we'll see. We'll see. It's a very interesting time that we're all living in and there's a lot of options I'm very thankful for on the table. But um, it's one thing for sure is I want to keep racing. I want to keep being competitive. I love that. I'd like to uh, get a few more DRL World Championships under my belt um, over the next few years. So I'm, I'm super excited to see where the racing future holds and hopefully we can get to some just more local races and big national races as well. And um, yeah, I'm very, very excited to see where the sport goes in the future. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, we're excited to be working with you moving forward. Well, awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks again, Alex. Uh, yeah, this was great chatting with you. We, uh, we appreciate the time. Oh, anytime. Thanks for having All right. me. All right. Take care.